Welcome everyone to Talk for Freedom. This is Cesar Lopez and we've got Chuck Paul with us. And this is a special episode with everything that's going on. We're going to be talking about COVID-19 and the impact that that's having to uh, the organization that Chuck works with. We're also going to try to get some uh, additional interviews with other organizations as well that we'll um, edit into the podcast. So I just want you to bear with us. This is a little different. Uh, we're in separate locations. You're usually, Chuck and I are face-to-face, but because of what's going on with COVID-19 and social distancing, we are in separate locations so we're trying this through zoom the first time so um yeah let's kick it off chuck so first of all let me ask you how have you been doing it's uh it's rough right now um with COVID 19 um we very much had to you know institute several methods to uh screen individuals that are coming in um excuse me We've had a screen individuals that are coming in. We take their temperature at the front door. We ask them questions, four questions. You know, if you've been out of the, if you've been out of out of the area traveling, have you been in contact with someone who's been sick? Have you been sick? You know, have you been out of the country? Um, we're asking these questions and trying to screen people for COVID nineteen simply because of the fact that uh, you know if we bring somebody in that's sick into our facility, then that's going to shut us down. And right now, we are the last remaining place in our Alamo area that's still accepting this market. Um, wow. So other organizations in town stopped accepting people because of the risk, right, of spreading the virus? Yes. So that, so what you've got is, is your facilities that are normally like set up for your homeless individuals, um, they stopped accepting new clients. They can no longer accept new clients. Clients that are in there are the ones that are in there. And if they leave, they have no place to go. Um, but if you're on the outside, you're you got nothing. That <clears throat> what that means also is like a lot of the uh, ministries that did feedings throughout the week, handing out food and, and places that were open for shelters, they have all shut down too. Wow. So what that leaves is is uh, especially our homeless youth, the ones that are 18 to 24, they pretty much got nothing. Um, and then of course our young adults, I mean our young teenagers and young kids you know that if they have nowhere to go i mean most of the places that remain open right now are only accepting like cps placements while we take them straight off the street Gosh. what has happened go ahead no i was going to say so you're serving uh, a unique uh, i think um demographic, you're serving not only homeless youth, at-risk youth, but you're also serving a population of, you know, people who are at risk for human trafficking. So it's kind of a little bit of, of everything. Um, and that's, that's the interesting part that these kids, because I'm sure it's kids, but it's also probably young adults, right, that don't have uh, anywhere else to go. And so you guys are, are still operating as usual. Yeah, or not as usual. Not as usual, actually. Yeah. Uh, all my staff are working 13 hour shifts. They work three 13 hour shifts a week. Um, that gives them a little bit more time to, uh, you know, gives them a little bit more time off throughout the week so that they get some time for their bodies to recover and their minds to recover. Because you know, the stories are desperate, Caesar. I mean, we're getting, as uh, our police department is bringing us, you know, young, young kids. I mean, I've had three sets of babies through there. Um, young kids through there for fam- due to family violence at their home, um, you know, elementary school age kids because of physical abuse. 
And then teenagers, it's runaways and, you know, kids have been thrown out of the house. Parents are like, you know what? Get out. I don't want to deal with you anymore. Well, you yeah. know, when you, try to, when you try to contact the parents and, and say, you know, this is a pandemic. This child needs somewhere safe to go. They're like, and I've literally heard these words, not my problem. Mm. And, you know, we know that these kids that are out there, they're going to get exploited. I mean, you know, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to eat, you know, and there's still an element out there that say, yeah, I'll give you something to eat, somewhere to stay, you know, but, you know, you're going to have sex with me and my friends. Or like a more recent case I got, I'll give you somewhere to eat, eat somewhere to sleep, but you're going to have sex with one person, but we're going to film it. We're going to put it online, you know. I don't know if there's been a fiscal gain for that or not, but yeah, you know, that's child porn. Yep. That's so crazy. The different dynamic, just, I think just like us, we're all adjusting to how we're working from home and, you know, technology now and doing a lot of things, either FaceTime, Zoom, Skype, however we can think about the people out there who are trying to traffic someone. They're also adjusting, right. And they're using technology to try to, make this available to someone who's desperate. Um, that's the interesting part, man, that we're all at home. Um, we're not supposed to be out. And so as we're home, we have more time to do things. And there's these people that usually go out and pay for sex or they're looking for it online. Right. And so they're looking for their entertainment, their pleasure uh, online and, and they're getting it. Um, that's, and pornography we know has always been accessible, but now it's in a different way, a different form. Um, that's, that's so crazy. I'm glad you brought that up that you're seeing it here in San Antonio. And that I think is important for our audience to know because they're at home caring for their own families for themselves, but they might've forgotten that human trafficking is still going on. Exploitation is still going on. Sexual abuse is still going on. Just general domestic abuse is still going on. Yes. Um, and all of this stuff is happening and now, you know, the victims can't go anywhere or if they do, they're out there on the streets and they have nothing. So that yeah. becomes our, our situation is we're remaining open where our doors are still open and every day the police are bringing me someone or, you know, I have kids showing up on their own. Um, I have young adults, 18 and 24 calling or showing up for help and we're doing the best we can right now. Um, you know, we do the best we can. Yeah. And, and you guys are putting yourself at risk as well, right? Your staff, yourself, you're putting yourself at risk to make sure that these doors stay open and that you can help the, you know, everyone who's coming through your doors. And we do. We wear masks. We have masks. We have protective gloves. But that's a lot of it. You know, we're not, you know, most people don't see an emergency drop-in center or an emergency shelter staff or someone that does residential care as, as a first responder, but they very much are. Um, you know, if you ever wonder to yourself, you know, if you see a kid that, you know, you watch the news right now and you see that, oh, there was violence in the home and they took the kids somewhere safe. Well, where where they take those kids? Um, if you ever seen those yellow signs out there at the gas station that say safe place, well, kids can go there, ask for help and, and where where they take those kids. We are the place. Um if we shut down, those kids have nowhere to go. I mean, there's no CPS and most social service agencies like that. The government agencies are not 24 hour emergency responders like EMS or fire department. They, they respond 
they prioritize their calls. They either have a 24-hour response or a 72-hour response. And right now, those responses are even more delayed because, you know, they're trying to protect their staff and themselves. So mm -hmm. if it's not a high-priority call, you know, they're taking their precautions. They have to. I mean, otherwise, yeah. we're going to have people getting sick. My my team, my team is there. My team is getting into it in the first, you know, few minutes of a situation. I mean, kid gets picked up. They bring them to us. The officers are bringing them to us. We screen them. You know, we're trying to figure out what's going on. They all come in. They get it. They're fevered. They, we check for fever. We have the IR um, guns we use for the head, you know, the little lasers. Mm -hmm. um, we check for a fever. We ch ask them the questions. We get them in immediately, have them shower. We have them take the clothes that they have off. All the clothes that they have get washed in hot water and dried on high heat. We give them fresh clothes. And then we do our intake. You know, oh. because we, I can't risk exposure because we get coronavirus into our facility that we're going to have to shut down. And then where do the children go? Yeah. I mean, th th you know, there is no place else. There's no, you know, magic kid place or anything like that. And, and you know, when I've got little kids, I mean, we've got to go out and find diapers and you know, play sets and, you know, play pens and everything else because I've had babies in there. I've had Young adults, you know, 20-year-old, you know, moms, 19, 20-year-old moms with their babies. Wow. And they had nowhere to go. And yeah. my team has been, you know, we get them in there, we clean them up, we assess them, we figure out what's going on. And so far, God has blessed us with the ability to work, use every single one of our contacts to find places for these, you know, young people to go. That's good. Um, uh, but it's usually because now after we've put ourselves out there, we've done all the screening, we've done everything. And now it's like, oh, this kid's not sick. Now the other facilities will be like, okay, you know, we, we might, they're working with us. And I understand, yeah. I, it's not like I'm, I'm, I totally understand that because if you've got like, we uh, we're one of the things we're doing is we're screening kids before they go back to our emergency shelters. Mm -hmm. If I get COVID-19 back there at one of the emergency shelters, then all the, I've got kids there that we've, we've kept isolated from everybody because, you know, we don't want them getting sick. And so, you know, when you have, you know, 70 plus kids out at Meadowland and, you know, 12 kids out at the bridge and another four kids out at, at La Porta, you know, plus like 22 back at Turning Point, I can't risk any of them getting sick either. Yeah. So. There's many days I feel like a triage. I feel like I'm in a triage center. I feel like we're just triaging. And, yeah. you know, you have to make that decision of who can you help, who can you not help. And it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's completely heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, it's, man, it's difficult. Um, in case we forgot to mention, so Chuck works with RMYA and he's talking about Centro Seguro, their uh, drop-in center. And so this is where they're getting, you know, these kids that need help. Um, I think it's great that you've been able to, you know, um, use your resources um, to get them where they need to go. But what if you do get someone that has a fever? What, what happens there? What do you do next? So... You know, the hospitals is where you go if you've got difficulty breathing right now. Sure. And otherwise, the hospital and healthcare staff are, are you know, 
miracle workers and they are they are pulling ungodly hours and trying yeah. to help as many as they can um so we're not going to inundate them with a kid that you know i'm not going to expose a kid that has that may have seasonal allergies of the flu yeah um to possible COVID 19 but what we do is if they've got a low-grade fever and you know they don't have the other symptoms because we have a, a a way to check for their symptoms yeah. Then we're going to isolate them in one in what we call our cot room. It's a room that has the cots. Yeah. And the other kids will have to go sleep in the yoga room area or the classroom or something like that. And we'll isolate that child. We'll we'll use one of our few N95 masks to put on that child. Yeah. Um, we'll go down to one bathroom because that child will get the other bathroom, and we'll just monitor them and isolate them until we can make sure they're safe and get them to a safe place and. You know, because we get kids in there with low grade. Luckily, so far, it's been low grade fevers, um, and our nurse comes and checks on them. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to send a kid to the hospital that has, you know, I'm not going to send a kid to the hospital where it very well they're coming down over the flu or that maybe a, a seasonal allergy type thing and end up getting them sick from COVID 19. Now, if I get a kid that has difficulty breathing, body aches, headaches, um, you know, um, dry cough, pink eye, you know, they feel like a belt is around their chest. That's COVID nineteen symptoms. They're going. Yep. They're, we're called EMS at that point, and we we we've had to get EMS to check out a couple of kids, but so far so good. Yeah. Wow. And so, um, and you're you're using the same, um, looking at all the same things that everyone else is, right? You're looking at the CDC, um, uh, what they've put out in regards to symptoms and all that. We actually have. Um, I'm in so many meetings. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, we have constant meetings with the uh, city, with the Metro Health, with the CDC, with the state, with the governor's office, with uh, our family services, which is the Texas Department of Family Protective Services. Yeah, um, with uh, all of our organizations out there, our youth network organizations. We're we're on, we're on a lot of our 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 Sarah, which is the South Alamo Regional Alliance for the Homeless. We're on a lot of teleconference meetings where mm. we're constantly getting updated on the latest information. We have communications with our emergency operations center. They're aware of what we're doing. They've given us kudos. Um, so we're, we're still out there. And, yeah, we're, we're on the cutting edge with getting information. So one of the tools we use is we have the, go to the city website. You can actually go to the city website. And mm-hmm. uh, it's right up front. You can click on, you know, it says, you know, screen yourself. And you, you put the screening in. And, it, you know, it's right up front. You click on it. It asks you some questions. And if those questions, depending on how you answer, if there's indicators you may have COVID-19, it yeah. makes an appointment for you at the drive through testing site. That's awesome. So yeah. we, use, we use that. You know, they don't go through doctors or anything because we're trying to socially isolate here. So it, it's been a yeah. lot of coordination uh, with our federal, local, and state governments. Uh, um, it's been a lot of coordination um, and, you know, agencies, we have some awesome agencies like uh, San Antonio Threads for one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, A21 Freedom Chasers that have stepped up to help us and, and stand beside us and, and provided us with some of the st- just desperately needed resources we need yeah. to, to get through this. I mean, we're burning through, uh, as you can imagine, we're burning through clothes. We're burning through, uh, 
uh, cleaning supplies, or not actually burning, but I mean utilizing. Very yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, hygiene supplies. I mean, each one of my staff is having to clean the facility sometimes, well, usually twice a day, sometimes more. Um, and we're going through bleach and rubbing alcohol and, uh, you know, um, cleaning products, especially hand sanitizer. We're in a desperate need for hand sanitizer right now. That's, yeah. Uh, that's very hard to get a hold of. And so we're doing this every day for the kids. And, and you know, it's not just the frontline staff either. It's not just my frontline staff. I mean, behind me, I've got the Roy Moss Youth, Al- Youth Alternative team. And, you know, they are stepping up. I mean, folks that normally their their job requires them to do office work. They're stepping yeah. up. Um, our counselors are stepping up. I mean, uh everyone's stepping up to this to this crisis and uh it's it's great to see yeah how you know just the the lion hearts of people that are in this but they all know i mean when we hear these stories after stories after stories i mean these kids especially the teenagers are coming and the young adults they're coming to us broken i mean stories that we hear over and over again i mean um yeah i was with this guy and he's 39 and this is a 14 year old and, you know, he told me I could stay with him. And, and then, you know, he had sex with me. And when we asked him, ask this, you know, young person, we had sex with you. Did you want to have sex with them? No. Did you participate in the sex? No. Well, what did you do? I didn't want it. He just did it. Well, that's a sexual assault. Yeah. That's a sexual assault, you know, and, and, you know, this is a child. Or, you know, you hear about kids that are being molested at home or you hear about kids that, you know, were being trafficked. But now, now they're not bringing in any money because people are out there purchasing on the streets as much. So the traffickers like, listen, you're on your own. You know, I'm going to go protect myself from COVID-19, but you're you're on your own. So whatever. And they're showing up looking for help. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Like I said, things... I mean, this this has changed the way everything is happening. Um, I think at the end of it, what we're going to end up seeing, you said that you have a lot of staff that is stepping up to the plate. I, I think this is just uh, changing the way we're going to work from here on out. Um, I, I don't know that we'll ever be the same again as far as how we how we do things. Um, but I think it's amazing to see that you've got people um, that aren't usually working um, with the kids directly. Now they're out there supporting, doing what they can. And so that's amazing. Um, how big is your facility to be able to, you know, help all these kids? <laughs> well, the drop-in center is not that big. Um, you know, you, you've got to consider the drop-in center is more like an emergency room. Um, yeah. it, it, we get them in, we figure out what's going on, we, we address the immediate need. Um, and, and then we move them into one of the two emergency shelters if we can. Or if we don't have any room, we move them to one of the, uh, the other facilities as, as they become available. Um, the other emergency shelters or, or CPS comes and picks them up or, you know, juvenile justice. Uh, we are, so we're not that big. I mean, you know, we, our, our campus, we have a, uh, two campuses. We have one at West Avenue in San Antonio and the other one at Texas off mm-hmm. San Antonio Road. Um, 
the Verde campus, the Verde campus is about 40 acres and, and that's got 70 plus kids, uh, community center, gymnasium. It's kind of like a college campus. Yeah. Um, and, and then the San Antonio campus where the drop-in center is, it's got, uh, it, you know, it's set up on a piece of property where it was like an old furniture warehouse and there for over 40 years. Um, you've got the emergency shelter bridge, which, you know, on one side and in the back, we own uh, houses in the neighborhood. We own all that entire, all the houses and all the staff. That's where Turning Point is. Yeah. It's got a pretty good sized playground. Um, and then, of course, you've got the counseling center, the thrift store, Central Seguro, and the Porter emergency shelter, all of what would be like the warehouse. Mm-hmm. It's not a warehouse anymore. It's a building now. Um, so if you can imagine that type of space, um, it's not that, I mean, we got a lot stuck into a small space I mean, yeah. that's because we utilize all that space. I mean, nobody has like, you know, this is my office. This is yeah. my 10 by 10 area that I can do. There's a lot of hot desking, you know, utilizing each other's desks and everything. Yep. Uh, matter yeah. of fact, my staff doesn't even have a drop it. They don't have that. They've got those mobile desks. Yep. So the ones that you roll around. Uh, yeah. Because they put the laptop on there and go around yeah. with the youth. And, yeah. You know. Yeah, I asked that question to give our, our uh, audience kind of a mental picture of, you know, you've got all these uh, moving you know, parts, all these people, all this cleaning that's going on. Um, you're trying to distance, you know, social distance people so that they're not getting each other sick. I mean, it just, it's, I, there's a lot of movement. I, I can only imagine a lot of people bumping into each other, trying to avoid bumping into each other, all that. It's a lot of trying to avoid to bump into each other. Um, and, you know, the adults do it pretty well. The, the, especially the young adults, they do it very, very well. Um, now, of course, I've got teenagers that are just scared. Yeah. And, they would need reinsurance and we've got some, we've got it. We got to have it constantly remind them, you know, I know you want to hug me, but no, but then there's sometimes when, you know, the kid just needs a hug, yeah. you know, and they're hugging you and, and they just need a hug, you know, and that's hard to tell a child that just, you know, they're scared, they're uncertain. Mm-hmm. They don't know what their future is going to bring. They don't even know if they're ever going to have a place to go. I mean, I've got, got a little girl in there that doesn't know if she's ever going to have a place to go you know wow. yeah that's the hard part is you're you're, you're meeting their physical needs but now you got to deal with the um, emotional uh, mental needs and and you've got these kids that i mean they're they want to be able to go outside and do things but now you kind of have to protect them and say hey you can't you can't do anything and so they're kind of stuck in the same place for hours and hours and hours, days and days and weeks and weeks. That's got to be hard for them. It, it is. And then, you know, we've got a good sized playground that we, uh, through a donation through the San Antonio area, so I mean, uh, through the, I'm sorry, to the impact grant, we, uh, we got a, uh, a, we were able to set up our playground kind of like that American Ninja Warrior type thing, obstacle yeah. course. Well, you know, this, this virus hates the sun. And doesn't like UV lights, and we keep the equipment clean. And so the kids are able to go out there every day. We take them out there to go out there and play on that equipment. And, you know, sometimes they go out there and they jump and climb and swing. And, and um, you know, <laughs> and this is something that's really funny. Um, I, I want you to imagine teenagers. I mean, we're talking anything from 13 to 17, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like total 
folks that people would think have attitude, you know, and, and these are kids that you saw on the streets that were being exploited. So they came across as really hard and, and they cussed a lot, maybe even come across as gangster, right? Yeah. You get them back there in the playground once they're at a safe place. And the first thing they go to is the swing. The swing. Yeah. And they're swinging and putting their head back and they're talking and they're giggling and everything else. And suddenly they're their age, if not younger, again. Like some of them haven't had childhood. Yeah. Like I've just been transported from gangster land to elementary school playground. Yeah. Okay. And and then they get out there and they use the equipment, they play on it. And then some of them, you know, they're having a hard time. So they're back there with the counselors because we have, you know, we have clinicians that work for us, actual licensed practical counselors and master clinicians who are braving the elements themselves and coming out there to provide mental health services and counseling to our kids. And all of our kids are getting consistent counseling. And the clinician will have them out there in, in the contemplation area. We've got like a stone labyrinth and they'll be out there in that. I mean, it's not high, it's just stones to the ground, but they have yeah. to walk through the path. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, they're back there sitting on the, on the bench or something and they're contemplating and they're thinking stuff out. Or we've got like a walkway all the way around the playground. They're just walking around in circles. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty interesting to see it. it, it it's, it's interesting to see these kids that come in so hard. Yeah. Um, and, and then all of a sudden they start to realize that they're safe. And then once they start to realize they're safe, they start to talk and they yeah. break it. And they'll tell us that's the word they use. You broke me, which is hard to hear. But in a way, um, I'm glad that you guys are there and you're still operating in the midst of this pandemic because these kids need um, they need that they need, um, like you said, to be able to uh, go out and just enjoy their childhood for a few moments. You know, they need to be able to escape all the stuff that they've gone through, be able to just get, get back to normal. And you guys are doing an amazing job of, of helping that. And that we appreciate you. Um, and so you mentioned a few things as well, as far as all the stuff that you guys have been using to clean everything, all the things that you need. Um, you know, A21 Freedom Chasers is a sponsor of this podcast. I am on the board of the A21 Freedom Chasers. We've been able to help you guys uh, with some donations. But tell me, how how has COVID-19 impacted y'all uh, financially? Because you're a nonprofit, and I know that um, nonprofits, it's it's hard. If you don't have money, you can't really do much. Well, you know, because of uh, COVID-19 has, has really seriously affected our, our economy. Lost you there for a few seconds, uh, Chuck. Let's see. All right. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah. All so right. tell us a little okay. bit more about what uh, has, this has done financially to you guys. So, um, you know, as you can imagine, the economy right now is, is really taking a hard hit. Uh, you know, so many people not working because they're having to stay home because of the virus. So many people that are not able to work because they're, you know, either sick or they're not in a, in a job that, you know, is, is an immediate emergency need right now. And then you've got, uh, you know, companies laying people off, furloughing people. And, you know, 6.6 .6 million people as of yesterday have applied for unemployment. But our donors, the people that donate to us, they're not all rich. Mm -hmm. Some of them are, are just regular people 
you know, regular jobs. They go to work nine to five. So they've got to be thinking about, you know, do they have enough for their family? Yeah. Uh, and, and then those that do have fiscal resources, they, uh, you know, they've got to be thinking about, wait a minute, you know, you know, if the economy's hurting, do I have, do I have something to get? Yep. Uh, or, or do I need to be careful with my money right now? So of course our, our donations have gone down. We, we have to raise about $3 million a year in, in donations um, in order to stay solvent. Mm. Now we, uh, we, that's only 30% of, what our overall budget is as far as what we get now about 70% comes to grants and, and payments from the state and the federal government um, because of the work we do and some of the different contracts we work with the, you know, providing for uh, juvenile justice use, CPS use, grants we have from the federal government and the state, you know, for working with trafficking victims and runaways. Uh, but there's still more that has to be done for these kids. And, and uh, like I said, we got to come up with about 3 million a year. So that's, that's hard when you don't have that, um, yeah. when that's starting to go away. And, you, you, and, the, and our agency has had to think about, you know, uh, fiscal solvency. And, 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 you know, some are, luckily I have good leaders that are able to make good decisions. But it hurts. It does hurt. And, and it, um, you know, it, it's very difficult. And it, it makes us wonder... You know, at some point, you always have to think about this. You always have to think, you know, what all of our programs are absolutely critical, but what program would get cut? Yeah. You know, if, if we're not able to pay for it. Yeah. And, and that, that leaves pretty much everything on the table, you know. And, yeah. you know, at some point, you've got to think about can I pay people? Can I pay people to come to work? Is it safe for them to come to work? And then that, that's the kind of stuff that keeps me up awake at night. That's the kind of stuff that, that, uh, you know, breaks my heart because I'm thinking about the child that we couldn't help. And, and the best advice I got so far was from my old wife that told me I need to start focusing on the kids that we can help right now and, and not thinking about the ones we couldn't help because, you know, I'll drive myself crazy thinking about the ones we couldn't help. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we know that, I mean, we're we're in the thick of it right now, but once it's once we're a little bit back to normal and, and COVID nineteen, you know, is not here anymore. I mean, it's still hard. It's it's going to take months, if not maybe sometimes years, for a lot of companies, a lot of nonprofits to recover financially from from what's going on right now. And so, what what's what would you tell our audience? Um, what can they do to help you guys get through these difficult times? I know everyone's struggling, and like you said, a lot of people have lost their jobs, but there are uh, a lot of Americans, a lot of people around the world that are still working, that are blessed with a job, that they've been able to work from home, that are making money, that are financially secure right now. What could you tell them? Well, I would tell them, first off, they can go to RMYA, that's Roy Moss Youth Alternatives, RMYA.org, and they can donate there online, uh, fiscally. Uh, cash is something we very desperately need right now. Um, they can uh, also go to Amazon wish list, and we have an entire list of. If if you're uncomfortable with that, I mean, cash, you can go to Amazon wish list, and we have a list of the things we so desperately need every day. Um, you know, things like uh, you know, 
cleaning supplies and other stuff that blankets i mean you know household items that we need for the kids every day and you can purchase those items on our on the amazon wish list if you look up Roy Moss Youth Alternatives or RMYA and, and have Amazon deliver them directly to us. I mean, those donations are just absolutely critical. Um, you know, you can get in contact with us at, at Roy Moss Youth Alternatives, 210-340-8077, um, and speak with our development team. You can speak with, you know, myself at 210 340 8090 is our 24-hour hotline number. You can speak with us about ways that maybe your company or your individual can help. Um, but yeah, we are we are desperate for you know real help right now. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to find, you know, if you've got a hookup with one of these uh, distilleries that are currently making um, hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. I'd really like that hookup because, uh, you know, we're burning through hand sanitizer like no tomorrow, yeah. as you can imagine, um, you know, because I've got lots of surfaces and lots of hands, um, you know, uh, Clorox wipes, that kind of stuff. So if you go, if you know someone like that, that would be a great hook. I mean, great hook. We are, we are in a, a, a desperate time right now. Yeah. And I mean, I know I may I sound desperate, but we are. Yeah. Um, I mean, this crisis is affecting each of us personally, but I think it, it's having a larger impact on organizations like yours where you're helping, um, you're helping youth, you're helping people and you have your staff that you got to care for, but you've got these kids. And so, yeah, we're asking our audience, um, help where you can, uh, if, if you can give $10, $10 is, it's going to go a long way. If you can give more great, um, you know, there's a lot of people suffering. Uh, there's a lot of organizations doing a lot of great things um, that are feeding people. Um, you know, so we just got to come together as a country. We got to come together as a people and help each other out. And so if you can spare something, go out to Amazon, look at their wish list, buy something that they might need, have it shipped to them. If you can spare a few dollars, go and make that donation. Um, and it will go a long way. Uh, Centro Seguro RMYA needs, needs our help right now um, to help these kids. And so if you can do it, um, God will bless you and um, he will take care of your family as well. And we know that um, we're, we're, we're all praying for each other. We're all trying to come together. Um, one last question before we let you go. Um, we've talked a lot about work. How is this affecting you personally? I know that you said it keeps you up at night thinking about the kids that you can't help and your staff, but how are you doing emotionally all that? Well, I mean, uh, I've increased my time with my therapist. I spend one week. I mean, I, I do one appointment a week with my therapist to talk. Um, you know, that's one of my safe places. Um, my wife is doing frequent check-ins with me because, yeah. you know, it, you know, it's, it's no secret. I've talked about it before on the podcast. I do. I am a combat vet. I do suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. And then with the different mm-hmm. jobs I've done throughout the years, it's not exactly like that hasn't made it aggravated that. Um, but, uh, you know, I have this app. I swear this thing is the best invention the VA came up with. It's called a PTSD coach mm-hmm. and it's an app and it's free to anybody. Anybody can go on, uh, on your, your uh, app store and get this it's called PTSD coach. 
and I literally click on it and it says, you know, manage symptoms. And I click on that button. It says, what are you feeling? Anxiety, sadness, depression, anger. Mm -hmm. Click on that. You rate yourself. And then it gives you some type of exercise. It goes from mindfulness to visualization to uh, breathing techniques. Um, it, 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 it walks. So I'll go into my office and this is pretty much a daily occurrence. I'll go into my office that's slash storage room slash office. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, uh, I'll shut the door and turn the light out and, and just go through a 15 minute exercise. And then that'll give me what I need to go back at it. I'm pretty much working around the clock right now. Um, but yeah, try to get sleep. It's, it's hard to go to sleep at night. And then once you go to sleep, it's hard to get up. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it takes its toll, Yep. you know, and you've got to try to make sure it's hard to eat right when you're go, go, go. Yeah. But, you know, you, you've got to do what you can. And then, you know, you've also got to spend time sitting there just, okay, God, you know, we, we're driving to work. What's, what, what are you waiting for today? What's going on today? You know, yeah. you know, what, what's going on, you know? I, I really believe that God has placed his angels around us, that he is uh, keeping us in the palm of his hand through all of this. Yep. He has protected us. He's allowed us to continue to do this. You know, and I got to trust in him because I am not in control. And the one thing that I've learned the most through all this is that control is a fantasy. Control is not reality. And to believe that you are in control to simply set yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. Um, this, we all would not have even thought about this, what, two months ago? Yeah, it's true. Could you imagine two months ago us discussing the world we currently live in today? No, I mean, we, it wasn't even in, in the forefront of our mind. Um, yeah, it, it's just crazy how things just got out of hand. Um, I know China was dealing with it and I guess we just never saw it happening here and like this and it's spiraled out of control. And so, man, Chuck, we're going to be praying for you. We're going to be praying for Centro Seguro. We're going to be praying for RMYA. Um, stay strong. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Take some time for yourself to rest and recharge whenever you can. Um, but we really do appreciate all that you're doing. Like you said, you're working around the clock and thank you for taking these uh, 30, 45 minutes to talk to us today. Our audience, um, I know they appreciate you and uh, they're going to they're gonna step in and they're going to help you guys where they can. Um, but I appreciate your time and just take care of yourself. You're, you're definitely in our prayers. Thank you, Caesar. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Chuck. All right. Bye.